1: Your daily Miami Dolphins Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcasts Network. Your team every day.
0: Welcome to the Thursday, October 1st. Gosh, October! October 1st edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, and today's episode is brought to you by Visa. Help support your local businesses. Whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops, local businesses have always been on your team supporting you and your community. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support, so let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless Visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner, of the NFL. We're going to take advantage of our friends over at NFL game pass today as well. And we're going to talk about some of the all 22 impressions from the dolphins offense. Uh, As I've mentioned, one of the projects I'm undertaking this season is charting, not just charting data, but actually diagramming every single rep of the Dolphins season. Uh, we've got the little, uh, five inch note cards, five by sevens, whatever they are. And, uh, Drawn these things out so that I can run data. Each play is numbered. And then at the end of the season or at the end of a month, say end of September, we can look at where the Dolphins had their most successful plays, who was targeted in those plays, what the play concepts were that were implemented on those plays. So, some really cool opportunities for us moving forward to take advantage of what's at our disposal, courtesy of NFL game pass and the coaches' film of the Dolphins' offense. And um, that's what we're going to use as a launch point for today's show, but not before we talk about one Byron Jones. We've been watching for his availability all week, and yesterday did not bring the best development. The Miami Dolphins' likelihood of having cornerback Byron Jones available for week four against the Seattle Seahawks appears to have reached a tipping point. Jones was not a participant in any of the Dolphins' first two practices this week, meaning his availability on Thursday's practice will be critical in determining whether or not Jones will be eligible to dress and play against DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Russell Wilson. The Seahawks feature a high-powered offensive attack that has torn opposing defenses to shreds to this point in the season, and Miami having all hands on deck will be a critical factor in how successful they can be in containing Wilson amid his ongoing MVP campaign in 2020. It should come as no surprise that Jones was unavailable in a short week for week three, but with an extra 10 days of rest, Jones's lack of availability to this point is troubling for the Dolphins. If you're looking for a silver lining as it pertains to Byron Jones, his injury, the contract that he received, his departure from Dallas, there's a couple different things that we can look at, including... Uh, Baltimore Ravens cornerback Marlon Humphrey just signed a five-year extension worth $98 million today, this morning, this deal was announced. Uh, That deal, along with the extension of Tredavious White in Buffalo, of Jalen Ramsey with the Los Angeles Rams, of Darius Slay in Philadelphia, Byron Jones, in a span of six months, has gone from the highest-paid corner in the NFL— to now the fifth highest paid corner in the NFL. And the NFL teams are not done giving out contracts to this position. So, at the time of signing Byron Jones, it was a bit of a surprise how much the Dolphins were willing to invest to get him into the building. But when you look at what the cornerback market looks like, Byron Jones will very quickly be a top 8-10 to paid corner in the NFL, which is perfectly reasonable market value for him as a player when he's healthy of course, the cruel twist here is Jones had almost no injury issues at Dallas throughout the duration of the start of his career. He comes to Miami, plays one game, and plays well against the New England Patriots. Proceeds to strain his groin on an ugly-looking injury early against Buffalo. The short week against Jacksonville, of course, he doesn't play. Ten days to get physically ready for the next game, and it doesn't look like he's going to be ready. It's unfortunate. But... If you're looking for silver linings, it sounds like the Dallas Cowboys would kill to have Byron Jones back right now. The Cowboys chose to let him walk amid some of the other contract extensions that the team has given out, and tried to replace him with Trayvon Diggs, a rookie out of the University of Alabama in the second round of this year's NFL draft. And it's been up and down for Diggs, but Dallas fans in particular are now seeing what their corner and secondary group looks like without Byron Jones, and if you hop on social media, you see quite a few calls for Byron Jones. Uh, with hindsight being 2020, to perhaps have been a player that the Cowboys should have coveted a little more highly. So while it's frustrating that Jones is injured right now and his lack of availability and presumed lack of availability for Week Four will certainly hurt the Dolphins amid their bid uh, to upset the Seattle Seahawks. This is why the Dolphins doubled down on Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. This is why the Dolphins still chose to draft Noah Igbenogany in the first round, despite the fact that they had two corners. There's no such thing as too many good corners in the NFL. And the Dolphins are living proof of that here and now. Igbenogany, of course, he'll get better with time, As a young player, he was thrust into trying to cover Stephon Diggs in week two. That experiment did not go well, but week one, he performed well. Week three, he performed well. The bigger question is what the long-term look and forecast of the Dolphins' cornerback room looks like, but if durability continues to be an issue for Xavier Howard, and he's now appearing on the injury report for the Dolphins this week with what's listed as a knee issue, after grabbing at the back of his leg after intercepting a pass against Jacksonville in Week 3, there may be an obvious change that can be made. But for now, the Dolphins have to hope they can get this group healthy and on the field together so it can live up to being the potential identity of the defense that this team has anticipated it was going to be when they chose to totally revamp the corner room and bring all these players into the building. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all of the plays in just 45 minutes, thanks to condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game, every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. So go to NFL.com gamepass Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with quality online service for the last 20 years. So whether you're looking for new brake parts, taillights, new carpet, or motor oil for your classic or daily driver, whatever it may be, RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks, you can get everything you need delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, prices are exactly the same at rockauto.com, whether you are a professional or a do-it-yourselfer, so why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit rockauto.com for all of your auto parts needs. And write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all of the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. So let's talk about our observations from the Miami Dolphins offense through the first three weeks of the season, courtesy of the Dolphins Offensive Charting Project, and also courtesy of our friends over at NFL Game Pass for providing us with the tape that has been ground and checked regarding the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Dolphins offensively speaking. They're not going to overwhelm you with statistics at this point. They're 21st in points scored. They're 26th in yards. That'll happen uh, when you jump out to a 21-point lead and proceed to finish the game with under 300 yards of offense because you try and run the ball and milk the clock and you can't run the ball effectively, as happened in Week 3, and when you score 11 points in Week 1. So, uh, incomplete process for the Dolphins as, as far as what they have been able to illustrate from a raw production standpoint. I'll say this, Ryan Fitzpatrick, as you might guess, when a player completes 21 consecutive passes over a stretch of two weeks, he's been humming as of late. The Dolphins have done a really nice job getting into rhythm, and they played two teams in Buffalo and Jacksonville. They played a lot of zone. New England challenged Miami, so much because they played press. They dared their athletes to beat them. Once you lost Devontae Parker, you lost your best catch point guy. It was a really difficult situation to try and play through because the New England Patriots decided, we are going to crowd the line of scrimmage. They put one guy at you know, 15 yards and everybody else is inside of 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, and they're playing in your face at the line. Buffalo, Jacksonville, looking forward to Seattle. These are teams that are a little bit more zone heavy. And uh, that boded well for Miami. That, that allowed Miami to score 28 points against Buffalo, 410 total yards, 31 total points against Jacksonville. Seven of those came on a short field after a strip sack turnover. Um, and once the Dolphins decided, hey, we really don't need to pass the ball anymore, it was kind of just like, we're we're going to coast. We're going to try and get our run game some reps. But as I look at the matchup with Seattle and, and I look forward, I'm encouraged by the fact that the Dolphins system works really well against zone coverage because they've got smart football players, which we've known since the beginning is going to be an M.O. of this team. Their route runners do a really nice job, Isaiah Ford especially. He does a really nice job of kind of wrapping his routes around zone defenders on the B level, the, the second level of the defense. And Ryan Fitzpatrick has hit him on several kind of timing window throws as he's wrapping around zoned defenders in between the numbers, in between the hashes. And that's really where Isaiah Ford has been able to thrive and prosper the best. Now, is that really surprising? No, because Isaiah Ford's not super dynamic as an athlete, but he has to do it. He's had to have done a lot of the little things right in order for him to get onto the field and in order for him to make this team. It's been a long journey for Isaiah Ford. So uh, he's a standout that if you're playing a team that is going to lock you up man-on-man, his lack of physical qualities makes him a limited ceiling option. But if you play a team that runs zone, Ford is a slot guy, has some appeal. And interestingly enough, the Dolphins over the first three, first three weeks of the season have also used Ford pretty frequently as a guy who runs a little return motion, so he'll line up tight alignment to the to the offensive line, and they'll motion him in, in the backfield about to the center, and then he's going to turn around and retrace his steps. And from that point at the snap, he has a couple different options. He can either release up the field into a route. He can try and crack down on a linebacker, or he has even run insert into the blocking formation to be the added body. The Dolphins not just running 5-on-5 five five or 5-on-6. Five they try and insert that wide receiver from that tight alignment to come across the set and try and kick out like a linebacker on the end of the line of scrimmage. He's not super successful as a blocker. But you could tell he does the dirty work, and he he brings a good energy about it. And that's not a rep you really want to spend utilizing with a Preston Williams or Devontae Parker. You don't want to use your best options in the passing game at the wide receiver position to be running crack blocks. It's a misuse of the receiver and their talent as a pass catcher. We've also seen the Dolphins do this quite frequently with Durham Smythe who seems to be kind of the uh, H-back type usage as far as you play with his hand in the dirt. He's quite often detached. He's off the line of scrimmage and then given the opportunity to fold inside on, on the run game. And it makes me really wonder what the Dolphins could do because they're trying to run the same concepts with Durham, Smythe, and Isaiah Ford serving as that extra blocker, right? That, that's why you're doing that. You're trying to run... 11 personnel with three wide receivers, the third one being Isaiah Ford, instead of doing it out of 12 personnel with two tight ends, in hopes that you're going to get more defensive backs on the field so when you run your run concepts, you have a weight and size advantage. What if, hear me out, Mike Gusecki is more of a receiver than anything else? Now, what if the Dolphins ended up targeting a player like a Kyle Pitts out of Florida? Or a Brevin Jordan from Miami? You can go true 12 personnel, and you can get the best of Durham Smythe, and you can get the best of Isaiah Ford, all in the same player. And because he's a tight end, he's more frequently going to draw safeties and linebackers and coverage which is going to put you in an even greater conflict. So then you can use Adam Shaheen as your true inline tight end option. You can have, instead of splitting those reps and trying to manipulate the blocking surface by bringing in a wide receiver, you can use Brevin Jordan. And Brevin Jordan or Kyle Pitts, those guys are more dynamic athletes than what Isaiah Ford is. So you're getting an upgrade in the passing game whether you're trying to run it as flex hybrid 11 personnel or flex hybrid 12 personnel. So that's one of the observations that I'm making as this offense is trying to work. Mike Gusecki just doesn't do well or move the needle as a blocker. I think against Jacksonville, uh, he did get a couple opportunities on the edge, and in short yardage packages, he has been tight end three with his hand in the dirt. And it's just not an area that he's going to win, and that doesn't reduce his value at all. But I think there's an opportunity on this team for another pass-catching tight end. Or this team could really double down and and go get Pat and, and and really go with true 12 personnel instead of hybrid 12 personnel.
1: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: So lots of intrigue as far as that third option, that third wide receiver three. Can you get such a plus athlete at tight end that teams don't know whether you're going to come with 11 or 12 personnel concepts with the same personnel on the field. And make no mistake, this is a 11, very sparingly 12 personnel offense. This offense is running 11 personnel at over a 60% clip for the season. You expand it to 11 and 12 personnel, you're talking over three quarters of the plays this year. Over 75% of the Dolphin snaps have either come from 11 or or 12 personnel with one back in the backfield. Speaking of backs in the backfield, Miles Gaskin continues to be such a pleasant surprise every time you turn on the tape. Every time you turn on the tape, he's doing little things right. And Brian Flores actually spoke about this to the Seattle media. Uh, Gaskin, of course, playing his football at the University of Washington, And Brian Flores kind of dished on what Gaskins has done in the first year of his NFL career that has led him to kind of being this underdog that has claimed the starting role. And Flores said, I think when you're a rookie, figuring out the, again, Gaskin moved from the other side of the country, and when he was inactive for, let's call it, half the season, he just learned how to be a professional. Not that he didn't take a professional approach, but in that in your first year, you always, there's things you don't know. You don't know what you don't know, which I learned very early in my coaching career. So he learned the best way to prepare physically in the weight room from a conditioning standpoint, but also mentally and from a preparation standpoint as far as how he watches opponents' defenses in zone versus man versus 4-3 versus over fronts versus under fronts versus diamond fronts and just understanding where the best ways to attack those from a run game standpoint are from a pass game standpoint are, but he's continuing to grow. So, yeah. Brian Flores has talked nonstop since he got hired about how he wants smart, cerebral, intelligent, passionate football players. And the picture that Brian Flores just painted there is Miles Gaskin being a film junkie and perfecting his approach to the line of scrimmage based on the kind of front that it is. One of the interviews that I did with Devine Zigbo, running back, he's in Jacksonville now, ironically enough, uh, but he was from the University of Nebraska. And Zigbo had this big breakout year, his final season at Nebraska. First year under Scott Frost. And I remember talking to Divine about what changed for him. What clicked for him that allowed him to take this big step forward and put together this monster final season. And he talked about not just from a strength and conditioning standpoint, of course that was a big change for him, but learning and mastering his footwork and pressing the line of scrimmage. And you watch Miles Gaskin, and everything's always under control. And I think it's really easy, depending on the kind of front that a defense gives you, it's easy to assume that everything's going to look exactly the same. Okay, what's going in this hole? Well, if they got a nose tackle that's aligned in that gap, you know, you can't come in full board expecting that you're going to be able to, to carry your momentum through there, and that's, Something with Miles, as I've been watching and charting the Dolphins offense, he's smooth. It, it is that football instinct, if you will. And I think that's a piece of Miles Gaskins' game that we probably should have seen coming a little bit more, despite the fact that he was a seventh-round pick, myself included, uh, because he produced four 1,000-plus-yard rushing seasons at University of Washington. Well, now you watch him play now, it's the same thing. He's got a feel for the game. And I do think because he is such a hybrid player, as far as he's tiny, he's condensed, but he's also quick. He's not super explosive in long speed. He's kind of the blend of traits between Breed and Howard. And as the Dolphins have been looking to find balance, kind of that same thing we talked about with 11 versus 12 personnel with a flex hybrid tight end versus having Durham Smythe on the field versus Isaiah Ford to run your insert blocks on inside runs. Those kinds of things, like Gaskin gives you that flexibility. You know, imposing defense is not going to be able to key on you. So that's been really encouraging to watch. Uh, the offensive line, I definitely wanted to make sure I put some time in here for the offensive line. I think Austin Jackson has played well. One of the most respected people on social media. His name's Brandon Thorne. Highly recommend it, especially if you love offensive line play. When Brandon talks about offensive linemen, I shut up and listen. Because he's very involved in that community. He knows way more than I do about offensive line play. Uh, but he was talking, I believe it was yesterday or the day before, about the, the three top rookie offensive tackles. And it was Becton, Wills, and Werfs. And somebody mentioned, hey, you should probably put Austin Jackson's name in there. And, and Brandon was like, no, I don't think I should. <laughs> and, and I agree with Brandon. And, and the way that I phrased it, because we had an interaction about it on social yesterday. The Dolphins should be thrilled with what Austin Jackson is showing. Especially from a pass protection standpoint. But there are a lot of the little things that he needs to get better at to sustain his blocks for longer. The Dolphins' problem is not that they don't have physical bodies up front. Or that they don't necessarily have athleticism up front. They have athleticism for the size of the bodies that they have but they don't sustain their blocks long enough. They're double-teaming, and that second person on the doubles not getting off and climbing to the linebacker. Against Buffalo, there were a number of times in which you're watching them roll four-week, an extra safety down into the blocking surface, and they don't take the most dangerous defender. They don't recognize the presence of that added body at the snap. They look to work their face around blocks, but they don't use the inside hand, if the run's coming inside, to really manipulate and turn those shoulders. So they're getting movement, but they're not sealing, they're not finishing, they're not controlling their gaps with enough consistency to really be able to move bodies and win the point of attack with consistency. You see flashes of it, and more often than not, this is the most encouraging thing three or four out of the five guys are doing it. But if one guy misses, it's whether it's backside, whether it's play side, whether it's second level, that guy's going to crash, he's going to derail, and the run is going to be off script. And on the, the few occasions in which we've seen the ball get bounced outside because the M-man on the line of scrimmage sticks his nose too far inside and the run gets off script and bounces outside, you're in good shape. This is a work in progress. This should not be a surprise that it's a work in progress. But it's a good work in progress, and we're showing momentum in building the right kind of positive building blocks as an offensive line unit to think that by the end of this year, we'll have a really good idea on who we need to keep, who we need to upgrade, and who needs to just simply go. If I had to guess right now, just kind of forecasting it forward, Solomon Kinley is a keeper. Austin Jackson is a keeper. Eric Flowers would be perfectly fine if he's your fourth best offensive lineman on your unit. Right now, he's probably the first or second best. So there needs to be upgrades around him. Center, right tackle. These spots need to get better but this has the pedigree this this has the makeup of a potential winning unit and a potential identity of this team and by the time it gets ironed out we continue to iron out the kinks and it's Tua to Tagovailoa's time to step in behind center he's not going to get pressured 53 times in 3 games like Joe Burrow was or sacked 8 times in a game like Joe Burrow was or got beaten halfway to hell and back in a game like Joe Burrow was. And that was one of the interesting conflicts for the Dolphins as far as when there was discussion about, do we go up for Joe Burrow? Do we stay in draft Tua? If you were going to go up to go get Joe Burrow, you were going to have to offer a godfather deal, which probably would have included four-plus first-round picks. If the Dolphins give that up, what does their offensive line look like? And now Joe Burrow's in no better of a situation in Miami than what he is in now in Cincinnati. Now, Joe himself's been great. There's no questioning that. But the Dolphins are, are taking a different approach with their quarterback, which is we want to make sure we're ready to insert a rookie quarterback. Or maybe not insert him at all. And if that's the case, it's fine. Because you got Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's playing good football right now. Inevitably, he's going to have a stinker that shows up. Hell, it might even be this weekend. But the last six quarters from Ryan Fitzpatrick have been really, really good. The offensive line, plenty of positive glimpses, especially in pass protection. I think their assignments are fairly sound. Uh, I think the Blitz, when they were down seven, no, they were down four against Buffalo. I think it was 24-20 at that point, fourth quarter. Their are next to last possession before they, they, they ended up punting the ball giving it back to Buffalo. Buffalo went goes down, scores to go up 11 and then Miami goes on the 2-minute drill and scores a touchdown. There's one missed pass pro assignment call in that game that allowed for that free runner to come and for the Dolphins to take a critical sack in a critical juncture of the game. But other than that, I think the offensive line has been clean from an assignment standpoint. It's just now let's master the little things that are going to take our three-yard gains, and tournament eight-yard gains. That'll be a work in progress. So will this show. We got one more this week, so make sure you hit subscribe. Come back and see us. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. Tomorrow we craft the game plan to beat Seattle. Come check it out. Kyle Krabs, thanks for listening.
1: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast.